Hello there and welcome to Zero XP. We're a show that sits down twice a month and talks about games and particularly one game series, Fable. I'm John and I'm sitting here with my co-host who may have gotten a little trigger happy last week and excited about some news, Patrick. Hello. You can find us across all major podcast services. If we're not on your preference, please let us know. You can also find an enhanced video version of each episode on YouTube by searching for Zero XP Webcast. If you like our content, be sure to like, subscribe, and comment. I respond to every comment. If you would like to contact us directly, you can by finding us on Twitter at Zero XP Webcast or by emailing us at zeroxppodcast at gmail.com. So this is what we call a bonus XP episode. Those familiar know that it's kind of where we do a spin-off of our normal thing when we talk about uh, Fable-related content. And we thought that there's been so much going on in the world of Xbox lately, and, I mean, PlayStation for that matter, uh, that we want to kind of address everything and, and talk. I mean, like, man, things have just exploded. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. been it's been pretty crazy the last couple. Big of weeks. news out of nowhere this week. Yeah, I guess we could start with the catalyst for it all was you know Sony had their I would call it a coming out yeah. uh, party or uh, presentation where they pretty well blitzed all of their upcoming content and then surprised everybody by letting pre-orders go live. Yeah. I guess the re- yeah. retailers probably let them go live, but yeah, Sony I mean, didn't do anything They kind of said it was going to be the next day, and then I guess they were just like, nah, yeah. we're, we're going to do them now. Yeah, um, which they had some good stuff there. I, It, it looks like their lineup coming up is going to be good. It looks like the system's going to be strong. Um, I know that there's been... I mean, we're generally more xbox related as as a podcast um or as a web show whatever you want to look at us as um but i i do think it's important to look at both sides we are very i would say game platform agnostic yeah play your games where you want to play them enjoy them where you do have fun yeah yeah and i don't disparage anything but sometimes practices from each side bother me a little bit and i guess we'll get a little bit into that i mean just just very lightly in this episode one of the things that got me was the exclusive rights of um, when they announced Final Fantasy mm-hmm. during their show. And it's not that I'm a big Final Fantasy fan, but it was just, I was like, gosh, that's just one more thing that I you know don't have the option to play if I want to. Yeah. Sony's been very aggressive, I guess, with their how they use their money. And how do, you, how do you view that? Because I... While I don't like the practice of it, I understand it. Yeah. I think it's a smart move. I think it makes your platform more appealing. That's, yeah, I understand that. I'm, once again, uh, like John, I'm not really that into the Final Fantasy games, but I do understand that they are a big deal and they have a hardcore fan base and people are getting excited about the new game and now have to buy a PlayStation to play it, at least temporarily. I think it might be time. But as far as the practice... I don't love it because for me, I wish everybody could just buy the console they wanted and then play the games they wanted right. or PC, you right. know, yeah, to play it yeah. on whatever they wanted to. But from a business perspective, it's smart. I yeah. don't blame Sony for doing it. Well, and, and to specifically get into one that does hit home for me, I, I love Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, since I was, you know, six, seven years old, I've, I've loved Spider-Man. And uh, so to have that kind of cut off 
and put in the PlayStation ecosystem. I understand why it is the way that it is. I mean, that game may have not been made without Sony. Exactly. So, I mean, I can't begrudge it completely, but it irks me a little bit that I can't just pop on my Xbox and play it there. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that would be great. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Xbox fans would love that as well. Right. But the reason that we bring all of that up is to kind of set the tone for what was going into the Xbox pre-orders that took place a week later. And... um, a, a little news that came out, you know. Yeah. I mean, just that small little tidbit small they little, threw. A little $7.5 billion story. Yeah, 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 yeah. nothing nothing yeah. major, right? Yep, nope. Uh, no, it's funny to me because after that Sony presentation, I had texted Patrick and I was like, wow, you know, I mean, they're, they're really looking strong. I, I really think that the momentum keeps shifting back and forth between these two consoles uh more so than i thought that it would well and let's be honest there for a while like xbox was kind of putting out a lot of stuff on their social media they were talking a lot and then it went silent for a while yeah for the most part well we had that gap from after their presentation in july until the this, leak of the Xbox One S, really. Yeah, Series S. Series S. Ooh, see? Yep. <laughs> That's going to happen. Uh, the Series S. Um, yeah, I mean, it was silent in between there. Yeah, and it, I, I'm not entirely sure why, because it seemed like things were still pretty well ready to go. I don't um, know. There's I that. mean, I was wondering if they were losing confidence or if there was... I mean, I mean, well, and a lot of it was Halo got delayed. Yeah, that's true. They probably needed to get away from that a little bit. Um, Yeah, uh, because we know the Series S was a thing when they did their July conference, because there's that video of Phil Spencer with the Series S sitting on the bookshelf behind him. Have you seen that? Not a single person caught. No, the thing is, though, is I do remember seeing a tweet where someone was analyzing the picture and pointed that out, and even I was like, that's probably just like a Bluetooth speaker. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I guess I didn't see that. Yeah, well, it didn't get a lot of traction. So whoever's out there that did see that, good on you. Or they, I can't. They knew. I could, or maybe they already knew what oh, it was. I mean, maybe. Well, no, because they were just kind of picking apart everything in the scene. So yeah. I think it was just more of a luck. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, if I pointed everything that doesn't look like something that's instantly identifiable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we got the Series S announced, which is, is huge. Um, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm nerdy and I want the best tech I can get. So I'm going to go with the Series X. Yeah. I mean, it's a 299 entry, which is great for a new generation, but personally, I'm just going to spend the extra 200. But, uh, well, and and I, but I always go back to like when I'd first, um, I'm going to age myself here when I'd moved out of my parents' house. Uh, it was the... PlayStation 2, GameCube, Xbox era, and um, growing up, uh, we we always got consoles at the end of the life cycle, so it yeah. was, you know, we'd be like, yeah, we got this cool new console. With and 10 then, games. And then instantly the it was like, eh, but here's all this new, ne- you know, next generation tech, so I was always a little bit behind my friends in that, so when I moved out of my parents' house, I was like determined like i'm gonna get this gamecube the day that it launches you know and that kind of thing which there's as you find out there's detriments to that too because there's not a huge library when a game console launches um but i remember being you know tight for money i was supporting myself doing my own thing i mean i was barely 18 years old and uh an entry point like that like something that's i mean almost almost half price 
of uh, current of this next generation of consoles being available and still having access to the library of games that are coming out. I can see that being a thing. I can well, see that being successful. Also, I mean, they have the All Access, which I believe is 25 a month, and you can get the Series S plus two years of Game Pass. Yeah, and they have that for the S or the X. I think the S is, what, 25 a month, essentially? Yeah, and, and the then the X, X is, 35. is 35. Yeah, which, I mean, especially for somebody who's, you know, college students or even a kid who mows lawns during the summer mm-hmm. or something like that. That's huge. That, that's yeah. a big deal. Like, I, I love that. I actually yeah. think that's really, really great. And, I mean, let's not even uh, dance around. I mean, lower-income families. That's yep. it, It's a cool... Um, alternative for people, and I hope that it's understandable yeah. to the, to the everyday consumer. I mean, we're nerds; we're deep in it. We know what's going on, but um, I don't know. I really liked that. And then Sony came out with their presentation, and we're like, "Yeah, but our discless version is going to be three ninety nine as compared to the you know disc based version of the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation Five at four ninety nine. So now we're in a a generation where we have a, a 299 system, a 399, and then two 499 systems. So there's a lot of entry points there. Do you think that the 499 or I'm sorry, the 399 price tag is going to have much impact on the 299? I actually think it could because it is just as powerful as the standard PS5. Mm-hmm. I think I think that could possibly affect the 299 Xbox Series S. I guess it really it just depends on each individual consumer because I can see if your kid really likes Xbox or his friends play on Xbox and you see that 299 price tag, you're not gonna look at a PlayStation. Yeah, and I I think that there's that point, and I think there's also like the um, mom and dad consumer who aren't maybe into video games that will just strictly look at the price and go okay well can he play Fortnite on it and go for the cheapest one that they can get um because i mean realistically it's no it's not going to do your 4k hd graphics but ray tracing though it'll do it, it'll do the ray tracing and then you know some games it's going to be able to run at that you know 120 frames per second mm-hmm. or uh you know and kind of give that experience without having to pay the most but I, i'm kind of with you like if it was me and i was kind of limited and i knew i was only going to get one of the systems i think i might look at that extra hundred dollars and go oh i can get a bit more power out of that yeah, i mean it, it really depends because once again your games will be on par but at the same time uh one gripe i have with the digital ps5 that doesn't get talked about very much is there's no price parity like with um with the xbox digital you can buy games through whoever right yeah with the ps5 you can only buy through the playstation storefront right and that that is important to point out because uh, what for those who aren't familiar basically the difference is if uh, i want to pick up a nintendo game or if i want to pick up uh, an xbox game you know like halo or mario i can go to you know whatever retail chain GameStop. GameStop Target Walmart you know whatever's familiar for you and you can buy the code cards for yeah. it yeah, and, and they, it and they tend to go on sale to the Amazon point they'll be too, really right? cheap yeah. yeah 
Uh, and you can do those things, but Sony doesn't sell their codes third party. So no, it's no, if you're going to buy that. a digital game, you have to buy it through their store yeah. on their system. Yeah, that's your only option is to buy through their storefront. And that might not be a big deal for a lot of people. They do tend to have really good sales yeah, they do. on the storefront. But if you're somebody that likes a few more options, that might not be the route to go. Nope, that, that's, that's good to bring up. Um, but again, I, I just wanted to point that out real quick. I, th- I think the different price tiers for this generation is good. I mean, those of us who this is our hobby, this is the you know thing that we've chosen to do with our free time and listen to shows like this. I mean, we're probably going to set aside as much money as we can and get the you know get the high end console. But I think that the more options that are available, then the more people you're allowing to play. And I think, I mean, it's, I I know it sounds cheesy, but I really, and they didn't market it, I think as big as maybe they could have, or as long as they should have. But Microsoft had that slogan last year when they were talking about their all accessibility controller of when we all play, we win, or everybody wins. Yep. Uh, And that really stuck with me. Like, I almost wish they would bring that back because I just, in terms of the accessibility controller, for sure. But, uh, I mean, mean, we're living in in kind of a weird world right now. So Mm -hmm. uh, money's a big thing, and this might allow someone to be able to unlock or, you know, uh, unlock unwrap a uh, an xbox at christmas where they might not have been able to before and that's where one of the great things though about the with like the xbox and all their controllers and everything moving over is like a family won't have to rebuy controllers oh, and, and, and their uh, the games ex- yeah. like that's that's one of the things that really astounds me because i can remember as kids uh really wishing that i could still uh dude you're <laughs> again showing my age do you remember that rumor where there was a uh, memory card slot on the back of a Sega Saturn, and people thought you could play your Sega Genesis games on your Sega Saturn. You might have been too young no, for that. No, I don't remember that. Okay. Well, it was a thing, and uh, it was a thing that wasn't true. So, essentially, you know, every time your console lifespan ended, that was it. You know, it basically became relegated to a box that either went somewhere in another room or, you know, in our, uh, my case, uh, parents probably having to sell them off to get money to buy whatever was coming next and um i don't know i i love that That, that's actually one of the big things is it's not just your controllers which the controllers are a big deal your accessories but your your game's all coming with you into the next generation it's going to be huge oh yeah i mean but most games i don't ever go back to but there are a few like fable or fable podcast that yep I go back to pretty well every year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I legitimately, uh, I play the the lost chapters probably. I would say on average at least every year and a half, yeah. if not every year. Mm-hmm. Just to, it's it's kind of a comfort food. Oh yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's comfort game, so to speak. Uh, but that's you know that's where the consoles are. Uh, we, we danced around it a little bit earlier, but uh, I don't want to take up too much time for this episode. So let's get into the behemoth announcement that we got. Uh, coincidentally, right? I'm pretty sure it was a coincidence. It had oh, yeah, nothing yeah. to do with pre-orders just, going on sale. On, and, you know, you know, they're like, the yeah, let's day. go ahead and talk about it the day before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Microsoft, for $7.5 billion, has purchased Bethesda. Yeah. Um, Saw that coming. Oh, yeah, from yeah. a mile away. Yeah. 
Nope, not at all. No. That was a bomb. No, oh, that and- that was uh, something that usually fanboys would say, and I would just laugh at them, and now I'm not going to laugh as much anymore. Well, and to kind of loop back to what I, I had started to say earlier, but got completely sidetracked, was uh, when Patrick and I were texting um, after the Sony conference, I was like, wow, Sony has all this momentum. I would love to see before I go and I try to pre-order, which I was not successful at, but uh, before I try to pre-order my Xbox, I wish Microsoft or Xbox, however you want to, you know, look at the brand and name it, would announce something that is like a mic drop moment. Yeah. I kept waiting on that one big thing because even going into the July event, we knew Halo was coming. Um, I mean, let's be honest. We knew uh, Fable was coming, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's how they ended the show. There wasn't anything that I felt I came out of that conference going, I had no idea. That's amazing. I mean, uh, Avowed looked cool. That was kind of a surprise. Yeah, that was a big surprise. Uh, I think we we both came out interested in the gunk that came out of nowhere. But there was nothing that was just like... Oh, man. Yeah, like, wow, that just completely changed the landscape. Well, this was it. Yeah, that was it. This was the moment that I think I've been waiting for to really get my confidence behind what they're doing. Uh, So I I just, uh, it it was huge. Um, Before, I guess, we we talk about the ramifications for it and our views on it. Do you want to run down the studios and kind of what they're known for? That I mean, that's the thing. They What is it, seven studios? Um, I have eight listed here. I mean, one of them is a mobile, but then, hey, then again, there's there can be multiple studios with within that. But I I think overall that would be production on about seven okay. bigger games. You want to run them down? Yeah. Uh, with four studios, we got obviously we got. Let's just start with Bethesda Game Studios, who are I think mostly they're working on Starfield at this point, but they're kind of known for the Elder Scrolls also and fallout the fallout series yeah which is is huge yeah huge yeah those are those are huge ips that they acquired there yeah why don't we uh we'll run them all down and then we'll talk a little bit about them uh we got id software id whatever you want to call it uh with doom rage which did pretty well recently quake which is forgotten about rage dormant at this point yeah and then also i mean it might be worth including i don't know they were pretty heavy in some VR tech for many years there. I've wondered about that. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's we've had a, 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 there was a Fallout and a Skyrim VR, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been putting. Well, Doom has been in VR. Uh, they they made that its own standalone game. Okay. Um. So, I mean, that might be another thing if Xbox does look to get into VR, which they've really shown no interest over the last few years. Mm-mm. But if they were. There, Wolfenstein had a VR game too. Yeah, um, be a quick drop. Yeah, it'd be a quick, easy studio that they could bring into play. I wonder if they'd incorporate that into Game Pass. Hmm, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would make me more inclined to go out and get a headset oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, and you have Arcane who is making Prey. Uh, Deathloop is their current project, which. Has Sony ever wanted to see something that they have exclusive fail more than that game at this point? <laughs> Do they want it to fail, though? Because it's still a timed exclusive. It's timed exclusive, but I guess maybe not fail, but you got to imagine they're not as enthusiastic as they were. I because don't know. if it comes out and it does well, and then the sequel doesn't come to PlayStation at this point. 
at the same time, there's always putting the spin on it in the beginning of you can only get this on PlayStation. Hey, competition's making yep. games for us. We're so And cool. whenever it comes out, it'll be Game Pass Day 1. But then also they've done a few entries in the Dishonored series, which a lot of people are big fans of. Oh, yep, yep. I forgot that was the same studio. We got a Tango Gameworks, which Phyllis talked for years about getting a Japanese game studio, and he finally acquired one. Uh, through a way I didn't expect him to. They're known for The Evil Within, and then also another PlayStation timed exclusive. They got Ghostwire Tokyo, which looked pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of buzz around that. Um, the Well, the last E3, technically, but what was, uh, you know, E3 2019. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, um, which, you know, I mean, that is one thing that Microsoft has come out and definitively said is that they are going to honor those contracts for those games to be timed exclusive. So yeah. there's not going to be any shuffling around concerning those. You have uh, Zenimax Online, who makes the Elder Scrolls Online game and currently an unannounced IP in the project, well, in the process. Yeah, sorry, I keep wanting to comment on these games, but we'll talk about them afterward. Keep going, Patrick. And then Machine Gun Games, which to my knowledge is just known for the Wolfenstein series. I don't know that they've made any other games. We got Alpha Dog, who mostly makes mobile games for Bethesda. And I guess we can just knock them out here real quick, because in my head I was like, they're not going to ma- probably be doing mobile games, but then I remembered that Bethesda's going to run somewhat independently. Yeah. So I, I think that they'll continue making mobile games. So did they do the Elder Scrolls Blades, I'm assuming? I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I didn't play it myself, but um, I know that some people liked it, but it didn't make a lot of noise. Yeah. And then, uh, which this one intrigues me surprisingly the most. I guess it's not the one I'm excited about, but it intrigues me. They have a newer studio announced last year called Roundhouse. Uh forget the i'm blanking on the name of their previous studio but they did do a decent amount of online focus games but they have an unannounced ip and i'm wondering is this a double a is this a triple a like you know there's What's it gonna be yeah i mean with with a lot of this other stuff you have a bit of an idea of what they're capable of or what kind of games they make but that one is a bit of a surprise so i'll be interested whenever they make an announcement that'd be good kind of something unexpected yeah uh so i mean like just running them down real quick i mean elder scrolls and and fallout uh i mean those are two of the biggest game franchises going i mean since uh the last generation i would say well no from the 360 playstation 3 era um they've they've been huge franchises So, I mean, that's that's a big get in oh, its yeah. own. I mean, if you're if even if they were just adding those two licenses to their first party lineup, yeah, those are huge gets. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but then, I mean, Doom Doom's pedigree goes back. I mean, to the early '90s, mm-hmm. mid '90s. I mean, that's that's huge, uh, just I, from a name recognition point of view. I don't know if they have any plans for it, but I mean, Quake has its fan base. That's for sure. It does, and it also used to have a pretty heavy Windows kind of base to it too. Yeah. Um, so it, it's got those PC roots that really, I think, if they were to reinvent that, could get a. Not me personally, because I didn't play it, but I I know there's a you know section of of game. Uh, or gamers, I guess I should say, that would be thrilled for something like that. I mean, let's put it this way. If it continues to pop up to where you hear that name multiple times a year and it's been dormant for a long time, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, there, there's a fan base that would just go nuts. Yep. And yeah. I, th- I think it's worth pursuing myself. And that's the thing is, is they're getting a lot of pedigree games with this. Like, Wolfenstein's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and while their last game wasn't uh, as well received as the, the ones that preceded it, I mean, they still have a great track record, I mean, out of their last few games that have just been a really strong but overlooked shooter, is yeah. my understanding. And then with, like, with like Tango Gameworks... They bring some things to the table that, as far as Xbox-owned studios, doesn't really have because they kind of they go a little bit, little horror-ish in a way with the Evil Within. Yeah, definitely oh, yeah, a bit yeah, darker. Sure. I mean, I know that they have a uh, oh that game by Team Bluebird, the Medium, yes, coming out, but that's not an owned studio as far as we know right now. But that's definitely an area where they've been lacking compared to PlayStation, I would say. Oh, for sure. Well, and I mean, PlayStation has those ties where they get um, certain recognition from studios. I mean, because working with like Capcom and um, Konami and and all that with Silent Hill and that kind of thing. It's, um, I think that's the biggest thing about this is in one fell swoop, they've rounded out their lineup. Yeah. You know, as a lot of people have been saying, they've become the home for Western RPGs. Yeah. And obviously picked up... uh, a studio that does a bit darker things that we're not used to. Yeah. I mean, they've really rounded this out because for years, I mean, they were, oh, Xbox, all they have is shooters. Okay, well, now they have shooters and racers, and and now it's like, oh, well, they're also the home of Western RPGs, and nobody's close. Like, like who who would be second at this point? Uh, that's the thing. I'd, I'd actually have to Bioware? sit and think about it. And that's um, not even going good right now. Well, oh, and let's not, let's not, <laughs> let's not look past that. Uh, they also made the announcement that uh, EA Play is coming to Game Pass. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I mean, no, you don't get those, those games day and date, but you just got access to that library. Uh, the Star Wars games, pretty much a year out is when that stuff goes on there. You get the year-old sports games. Yeah, and then you have great games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age. And yeah. I mean, it, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. It, it's, I would say, over the course of two weeks, it's almost like the landscape changed. Yeah, I mean, you can't say oh, I don't have anything to play if you have Game Pass, because then it's just like, maybe you don't like games that much anymore. Right. Well, I feel like it's almost, if it did anything for me, it would almost cause me that game paralysis yeah. where it's like, I don't know what to play, and then I just turn on The Office instead. Yeah, you know? because, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to get a little overwhelming in there when you yeah. start looking. Yeah, but eventually once the dust starts to settle, I mean, but that service is just, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, like it's. I'm I'm anxious to see what they do with this, um, and I don't think we can have this conversation with talking about as Patrick and I had kind of said earlier. We are console agnostic. You know, play where you want to play, enjoy where you want to enjoy. Uh, but one of the conversations we had a very uh, long back and forth on the other day was if you are Microsoft after paying 7.5 billion dollars for this acquisition. Do you keep those games exclusive and just let what was already going to be on other systems be on other systems? Or do you keep publishing games on other systems, be it... I mean, obviously, I don't think there's a chance at all that these games aren't coming to PC. Yeah, Um, they're absolutely... I mean, I think really every Xbox game 
Game yeah. Studios game is coming to PC. It seems to be a like a, a two front, you know, war they're waging from that aspect. Uh, and then also X Cloud, you know, so it's kind of I guess a three front war. But uh, there's been a lot of speculation on since we do have these timed exclusives that are going to go to PlayStation Five. Uh, will they continue to publish games on PlayStation 5 after the fact? And at $7.5 billion, you do have to question, is that going to be a thing? Because we've seen this already with Minecraft. Yeah, and even, you know, more surprisingly, Minecraft Dungeons. Yes, oh yeah, that's true, yeah. Because that was after everything. the fact. That's a, yeah. that's a different IP, technically. Yeah, and it was a game that came out after the acquisition. Yes, so, uh, I mean, what do you think, Patrick? First, uh, what's your stance on if they should, um, or I, I, actually, what's your stance on if you care if they did, and then what do you think they should do? So, basically, as long as I'm, I have Game Pass, I'm good, and they're on their day one, I'm yeah. good. Uh, I feel like I gain nothing by them being on PlayStation, so it, it wouldn't bother me. But if we're going to talk business, not a chance in hell I put that stuff on PlayStation. Okay. Not not a chance. And you hear the arguments. They paid a lot of money. So why, you know, you want to recoup it so you put it on PlayStation. But, yeah, you might make more money here and there. But that, uh, you know, along with what they already have coming, I think that they make more money in the long run converting people over to xbox or getting pc users to also invest in game pass and making that 10 15 a month for ever yeah yeah because once you get in and see what that ecosystem is like you're gonna um gonna probably stay yeah i i kind of waffle around on on both sides of it personally i you know when i first read this announcement i was like oh that's cool and my instant reaction was i don't want these games on playstation after and again precursoring I, I don't care where you play your games i want i want everybody to enjoy playing their yeah. games but that was my instant reaction and i think it was only out of the reaction of sony wrapping so many exclusives uh into their launch yeah. that we've known so far um and kind of the resentment of having people say well there's nothing to play on xbox uh but then I instantly started to pull back and go, well, no, again, it doesn't hurt me if they're playing games on their system. Why would I care? Yeah, it doesn't. I don't make more money off of it. I don't have any, you know, <laughs> I don't have any reason for to not want someone to play games on in the, yeah. in whatever ecosystem they choose. Uh, so would it bother me if they decide to go ahead and publish games there? No, not at all. Not even a little bit. Do I think that? It will make the Xbox platform more appealing if they don't. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Financially, do I think it's a good decision one way or the other? I think if it were me, I think the way to do it would be personally to you do your Game Pass games, you know, day and date, day one. You got Game Pass. Here it is. You got it. Uh, And then maybe do a year, maybe do two years before you release those systems on PlayStation 5. Or, not systems, but uh, games on PlayStation 5. And then that way, if those people want to play it on PlayStation 5, then you're making, you know, $60, $70 a pop. I guess my thing is, though, is does that drive people to Game Pass then if they know they have to wait a a year or two and then I can get it when all the bugs are worked out and different things? Oh, that's actually a really good point. I mean, and it's a fair point because, well, with Bethesda Game Studios, there's going to be bugs. Yes. Um, 
no, I mean features. That's, I mean that that that's yeah, yes, features. <laughs> uh, that that's a good point. Um, because the thing is, is I think that the people who are, are the hardcore about these games will find a way to play them, yeah. regardless of what it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are people who Elder Scrolls is. That's their Legend of Zelda. That's their Halo. I mean, for in terms that's of the game us, they've bought in five that's times now. Their Fable. You know, I mean, it's uh, and I think those people will find a way to play it regardless. So, I mean, I guess the question would be, and it and it's kind of going to be. I mean, they've already said that it's going to be on a game by game basis, which I think most people interpreted that as well. It's going to be on PC, and then maybe some of the smaller games that that they do might make their way over to Switch. See if or oh, small yeah, Switch. Okay, I thought you were going to say PlayStation. I was like, actually, if anything, I was thinking the opposite. If they were going to put it on PlayStation, yeah, but yeah. So the bigger I'm, games and then the smaller games stay exclusive, right? Um, but but who knows? I mean, that that's the thing. It's kind of hard to it's hard to say at this point. Um, it's going to be really interesting, but I do feel like the landscape changed. This was the mic drop moment that I was waiting on. Um, You look ahead, because, I mean, a lot of these games that we know about are a bit far out as far as, um, oh, Starfield. Yes, and uh, And that's the one that they're putting most of their effort behind right now. But, if I mean, there's no real time frame, but you got to imagine that's coming out within the next three years i would think so yeah yeah and and during that time i mean the next two to five years you're going to be getting fable possibly the new nx isle triple a rpg it seems like avowed's going to be out around that time Mm -hmm. frame also i mean i think when they hit that point where they're really up and running like that Four or five years from now, I'd be shocked if Game Pass had under fifty subscribers. If they keep or fifty million, <laughs> I hope uh, they have more. Than yeah, I mean they they went from a what ten to fifteen, 10 to since 15 April. in the last six months. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but yeah, if, I'd be surprised in all honesty if they make these games exclusive, these Bethesda games, if they weren't up to fifty million subscribers. I mean, we'll see. That could definitely be like the launch point, I think, to get them to that kind of number, um, just because. Oh, and you know, I mean, we don't even know what the initiative is making at this point. Right. Exactly. I mean, we have an idea. I think we know, but we don't know. Right. Well, even if we know the property, we don't necessarily know what shape or form that's going to take. Yep. The thing is, when they hit that stride, once they hit that three or four years in, which is normally where your consoles really... I mean, because these console generations have gotten a bit longer with yeah. the last two, whereas they used to be five years. Like, yep. you knew almost... Uh, like like clockwork that Nintendo was going to give you a new system every five years. Yep. Sony was going to do that for a while. And then uh, it was even shorter with the original Xbox. But then when we hit the 360 PS3, I mean, you know, that went from, what, 2005-ish to 2013? Yep. Uh, you know, and then this one started in 2013. And this year is, while they're not done making games for the system, it is technically wrapping up this generation in 2020. So you're talking seven years. Yeah. So that that four-year mark is kind of your middle range where they really start hitting their strides. Yeah. And if they can hit the right cadence, I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, there's uh, right now Microsoft is technically sitting on 24-ish studios. Not all of those are producing games. Sometimes they're just used for different assets or satellite studios to do just specific things concerning helping out other games. But if you whittle that number down to, let's just round it at 20, you're looking at 20 studios 
that Microsoft could put on a four-year cycle if they wanted to and still release five exclusive games a year. So those, you know, days of Microsoft not having exclusives are about to end, at least if they manage this all correctly, which that's a lot to manage, but it seems feasible. Yeah. Bethesda's had a bit of a rough patch lately with some of their games, but at the same time, I mean, you heard what we said. These are games that people know. Yep, and that's important. I mean, that's an... I think if there's a ship to turn around, not that they've really fallen on their face, because I wouldn't go that far at all, but they've had a bit of a rough patch. Fallout this, 76 was a, a pretty good kick in the gut. Yeah, like in many, many, really all aspects, I would say, yeah, other yeah. than maybe the Wastelanders update, which I would say like. that it's probably their biggest, what would be considered a bomb to yeah. date. Now that's changed in the time since it launched, but at launch... It really, it really, yeah. they, they really kind of, yeah, they, they, they messed up there. They hurt, yeah, that hurt them really bad, but yeah. these are names people know. If Starfield comes out and it looks great, people are going to be right back with them. Exactly. They're not and then in Elder a position Scrolls, where they can't come on. bounce back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, honestly, Skyrim was my first Elder Scrolls game. I didn't bother with Oblivion. I, I think I loaded it up in my 360 at the time. I ran in one direction and hit nothing for like 15, 20 minutes, which apparently was about, I, I, I just ran in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, but I was just like, this is not for me. And I think I started playing Assassin's Creed or something like that. Something that was instantly in on the action. Uh, but Skyrim was one that, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I lost track of how many hours I put into yep. it. So it's yeah. one that I'm actively anticipating. I think I did like 2% of the story and put like 100 hours or 80 hours into that game or something because I'd be like, all right, you're going to climb that hill. You're going to do that part of the story. You're going to cave. Yep. Cave. Yeah. Makes you a squirrel. Yeah. I mean, how many times would someone ask you to, hey, can you retrieve this item for me? You mean this one that I have? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean that. And then, I mean, you you got Fallout, which uh, Fallout 4 was, it's funny. I I think the narrative on that game has changed. It actually, when it launched, people were like, yeah. And then a little bit out from it, they were like, "Uh, yeah, it's just kind of more Fallout. Didn't have as much staying power as 3 and oddly enough, uh, New New Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I thought it made a lot of improvements, but at the same time, kind of like a lot of Bethesda games, you're a bit like... Why did you design it like that? Yeah. Well, and it was that thing where I think people really wanted that leap in graphics. And because their games are so big, it makes it hard to make a leap like that. But um, I think their intention behind it wasn't necessarily to make a huge leap. I think it was to give you kind of like, oh, you like burritos? Well, here's 50 more burritos. Yeah. Um, uh, which isn't a bad thing, but no. I do think that I mean, that's why I reviewed and sold like 15 million copies. Yeah. yeah. But they did say with, uh, with Starfield, I mean, this is the largest engine overhaul yep. they've done. Yep. So we'll see how that plays out. And again, let's not forget that that back catalog that was previously all on, you know, Xbox one and I'm, I would assume 360 over time yeah. is all going to be coming to game pass yeah. too. Yeah. Like I mean, I gotta imagine a lot of these games that aren't backward compatible will manage to become backward compatible. Like, I don't know, is um, is uh, Oblivion? I don't know. I, I was just wondering that myself. Uh, if it isn't, I bet you it will be. Yep. And yeah. So, I mean, like, again, this was the mic drop moment, I think, as an Xbox fan. Uh, I mean, to sum it up, uh, because we've actually gone longer than we normally go for our shows, 
this next generation from regardless of where you're going to play your games if you're going to play them on xbox or if you're going to play them on ps5 i mean (laughs) to me the outlook of the generation looks tremendously better than it did oh yeah uh for the ps4 and xbox one era i mean uh, let's be honest it looks tremendously yeah. better I for mean, the Xbox be, side of things, I'll, but I think even PlayStation looks stronger this time around. Oh yeah. um, I'll be honest, with the Xbox One, the only reason why I bought it was to play Fable Legends. Yeah, and then that we was, didn't even get it. Oh, I, I sank several hundred hours into it, but I didn't get to keep it, right. so that's a story for another day. can't boot it up now. No. Well, I can. It just won't. It won't connect to a server. Well, okay. You get a loading screen. Yeah, basically, and some great, some great music. Yeah. But I mean, man, I, I'll be honest. I was pretty down on Xbox for many years. I, Phil made a lot of good decisions early on. I thought like removing the connect, which made it easier to buy. Yes. And then, it, and then I was. It seemed like it went through many years where it's like, I don't know what they're doing. No, then they I, announced Game Pass, and I gave it a shot, and I'm like, this isn't great. Well, I mean, and that's a whole other show we could do, but I mean, just to quickly sum it up, it was kind of, you know, the the Phil Spencer era started with, hey, backwards compatible games. Yeah. You know, which was a big deal, but it's not a game changer necessarily, yeah. I think, for most people. I think people like to have access to their catalog. Yeah. I love to have access to my back catalog. But... But it's not the reason necessarily I'm going to stay with the console. The uh, only thing I'm going to add just briefly to that earlier point is I remember when you, when you sent me a text that they were announcing first party games were going to launch on their day one. Yep. I think I responded. I'm like, they're making sense now. Yep. They're making sense. Like, that's kind of when I would say I got back on board and with this Bethesda acquisition and then them... An important note is like the studios they acquired, they're a lot of them have moved to different offices. They continue to grow. They're getting they're they're not just buying them, they're getting bigger. Yeah, and they seem to be giving them space, which is something they have never had until recently. Yeah. You know, I mean we talk about that all the time. I mean, we're a fable show. We talk about how Lion had in some aspects almost became suffocated yeah. by Microsoft to the point that they didn't get to make their own visions yes. in a lot of instances. Um, there, I mean, like it sounds like Bethesda specifically is going to run almost as it's still independent. Yeah. Because um, they don't want to change the culture of these games. But I, I think it's even more than that. I mean, when you talk about uh, playground games and what they're doing with Fable, it sounds like it's pretty hands off. Yeah. Um, you know, which of course some guidance is always going to be needed. You need to fit the vision of the platform that you're on that you're owned by but at the same time you still need that creative room mm-hmm. to put your own spin on things i got a question with uh because fable likely is two to three years out does um does this acquisition of bethesda because you know you'd always hear those oh we'll make fable like elder scrolls or different things like yes. that w- would you say that it gives you more confidence that fable will be fable to stand out and be different so I see your point, but I'm going to say no. And only because I feel like because uh, Playground was given the keys to Albion, so to speak, yeah. that they 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 must have pitched it and had an idea for a Fable game that lined up with, you know, Microsoft's 
being happy with whatever. I don't think I don't think it changes their course in any capacity. I think the game that we're going to get is probably the game that they want to present. Yeah. And I I, I don't see that changing. Yeah. Do you? I I would say I waver a bit back and forth, but then again, you know. To be fair, I don't know what they were letting them make in the first place. Exactly. I guess it gives me a little bit more confidence that if they maybe were going that route a little bit, that it might be more fabulous just to stand out if that was happening. Now, that could be. I could see that. Because if, like, if it was a let's bit... Let's lean into it a little bit harder. Yeah, if it, if it w- which, based on that trailer, there's no reason for me to think this, but if it was a bit more serious and then they were like, well, with Bethesda, we got all these serious things already this a little something different so it stands out yeah yeah that that i can see but but i I don't feel like that's pressure coming from anywhere to make it something that it wasn't going to be i think that's just embellishing certain parts of it to accomplish what they want to accomplish Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good point um but yeah this is huge it's um the outlook is good for games this generation i'm i'm I, I think I'm anticipating it more than I have in past generations. Oh, too. absolutely. I mean, I can't think of a bigger acquisition in gaming as far as like pretty well buying out a whole publisher yeah. than this one. I mean, well, and you know what? I'll be real honest. I don't really want to see more of that. I don't want to see Ubisoft. I mean, like even even by Microsoft. I, I you know I don't want to see Ubisoft get snatched up by him. I don't want to, you know, I don't think it would ever happen, but I don't want to see EA get purchased by anybody. Yeah. I think this was kind of a need yeah. uh, in, in, in Microsoft's camp in their uh, library games. But, um, I mean, I, like, individual studio buys, I think I'm more comfortable with. I, I think but. I'd like to see it more with maybe some of the smaller studios that have talent but need help. And uh, and that's what I mean, you know, yeah. Maybe, maybe some of the ones, like, uh, we're both fans of Double Fine, where their games have reviewed well, uh, but they haven't always necessarily sold the best. Right, yeah. They were always kind of, it was a little bit harder to and keep the funds with, coming. Uh, in the case of uh, Obsidian, I mean, they may have rescued that studio. Yeah. And it may pay off. It's looking like it's going to pay off big time. I don't know what they paid for it. They didn't give information on all their studios, but it looks like it's going to pay off big time. And that's what I mean. Like, single studio acquisitions i think i'm good with i don't know that i want to see another big umbrella studio get bought or a publisher however you know yeah uh but all right uh (laughs) we've gone way past our normal time so let's go ahead and wrap this up um if you want to continue to talk to us about this uh we'll give you the details here in just a second about how you can do that um because i mean i probably could have kept going um, oh i I could probably go another hour. Yeah, we, we, we try to be respectful of your time. I mean, we haven't really talked to any about the studios they already have. And that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, Patrick, let's go ahead and uh, close up shop for today. Let us know if you want that episode. Before we go, we'd like to give a thanks to those who helped contribute to the show. Zero XP logo was provided by Jameson Johns. You can find him at behance.net forward slash Jameson Johns. Music by Odd Reference. You can find him at facebook.com forward slash odd.reference. You can find us on Twitter at 0xpwebcast or feel free to email us at 0xppodcast at gmail.com. If you're on YouTube, be sure to like, subscribe, and comment. I respond to all of them. You can always find us on most major podcast websites. If we're not on one of the ones that you listen to, let us know. 
And again, thank you to those who have inspired us to do this show. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Damien. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Xbox Pope. And until next time, as always, just stay safe out there. Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. I still can't believe they bought Bethesda. Bye-bye. <laughs>